Deeksha Sethi brings to you her exclusive podcast Different Strokes a place of celebrating the undying human spirit get to hear inspiring stories from different guests that will endure you encourage you and strengthen your willpower and inner voice stories of people who walked through rough paths of various situations and how they walked out of those circumstances boldly The second wave of COVID-19 has been devastating. The system's apathy and gross mismanagement has left us struggling for breath. But thankfully, all is not lost yet. We've seen innumerable faceless, nameless heroes who've come forward to help those desperately scrambling for basics and who've restored our faith in humanity yet again. doctors nurses journalists mental health practitioners volunteers drivers delivery staff to our local kirana wala i'm sure i'm forgetting many others we owe a great deal to them because without their selfless services we wouldn't have made it thus far different strokes is proud to have had this opportunity to speak to a few of these covid heroes who have been working relentlessly by putting themselves and their families at a serious risk of infection. We couldn't thank them enough. But I hope through this series we're able to tell them how grateful we are to each one of them. My name is Deeksha Sethi and you're listening to Different Strokes. In this episode I talk to Nupur Paiva, who's a child psychologist and an author of the book Love and Rage: The Inner World of Children. and we go through some hard hitting realities that are staring us in the face as far as our children are concerned the future of their mental and social well-being the trauma of losing a parent to covid or the safety net that has been pierced by the growing abuse and violence because of the lockdown um let me start by asking you um you know it's obviously it's going to be a year and a half almost since the schools have shut normalcy has taken a hit for both parents and children and it's equally distressing for both parties you know kids are at home all the time and there is no sense of space for anybody there's no me time and it's obviously there is no natural outlet for children as well um yeah. what kind of a future mental health can we predict from this ongoing crisis especially among children and adolescents okay um <laughs> what well, what i'm going to describe is not going to be pretty of course that's not okay. what we're here um, for yeah so see in terms of labels mm. the labels sound similar and dull and uh, they don't do justice to the internal experience of anybody mm. because the labels are reductionistic so what i'm going to say is that okay in terms of future mental health crisis we are looking at increased rates of depression mm. and anxiety right. and ag- and aggression Hmm. and that aggression is going to be then labeled as oppositional disorder or conduct disorder or, or oppositional defiance disorder or ADHD hmm. or so there's going to be a, a a huge amount a plethora of these labels being used hmm. which at the end of the day are frankly unhelpful right because they are the symptoms that's what's visible right um the complexity of the pain the grief the loss underneath it the anger the rage underneath it is not just there isn't enough justice done with by these labels right. to the internal experience of young people hmm. uh what it's like 
for our children and our adolescents to be shut inside month after month hmm. and it's going to become year after year hmm. with no outlet for what is a natural um, like you've said hmm. uh, uh, a natural process of growing up hmm. it's like you it's a pressure cooker you know hmm. that's the simplest analogy where steam is building inside because mm. um, the personality is being formed mm. and um, when there is no outlet for it whether it's creative or productive or social emotional mm. um through friendships through learning things through yeah. competition with others your you know with peer groups those are the natural outlets and when yeah. those are blocked you're going to have uh, an explosion now in some cases those are internal explosions mm. in some cases they come outwards towards family members and society mm. so, so that that's what we've got to look forward to really wow i don't want to look forward to that at all to be honest no, uh, it's it's uh, because i have a young child and i'm sure a lot of other parents who are listening to us right now it's it's not going to give them any kind of solace whatsoever and we're all worried obviously so um how do we begin to even tackle such a thing uh, what what can we do in the best possible way to provide that natural environment within unfortunately the confines of our homes well i, I think that um, you know it makes me think of something a friend of mine said she says like each of us is running our own country <laughs> yeah because we really on the inside of our homes on the inside of our families are the experts on what's going on inside yeah so i would actually want to say to parents that you know try to come to your child with the understanding that their whole life is ruined mm. okay unfortunately what i'm hearing a lot of is uh, be grateful mm. be grateful that you are alive be grateful that you're healthy be grateful that you have a home be grateful that you have food to eat be grateful that you are safe etc and mm. those are true yes yeah but that's not <laughs> you can't jump to gratitude without acknowledging loss right and um it does a lot of damage not just to the child sort of internal conflict about uh, and then they start to feel guilty about the fact that they they have lost so much hmm. uh, but aren't allowed to acknowledge that they have lost so much because we have to pole vault over loss and pain and anger and jump straight to gratitude right so what i would say is please don't do that please mm. don't do that to your children um to ask them because it's easier on us to have a quiet grateful child rather than an enraged child right because the anger is going to come out at us obviously where else is it going to go of course as the parent we are the one who has to bear uh this child's rage that there is no school they've lost their friendships there's mm. no way to connect to people and everything has become uh, sort of virtual and one dimensional right look are we looking at a generation of social wrecks you know honestly in the larger scheme of things that's the least of my concerns right because when we are able to mix with each other we'll find a way to mix with each other right uh the the wreckage is going to take place within families mm. because the fault lines of uh, how we are looked after how we interact with each other within family home mm. is what's going to become painfully clear mm. right. so when when a when a parent says to their child uh, 
yes yes i know that all these terrible things have happened and you don't have this and you don't have that but let's focus on the positive let's uh, you know let's be grateful hmm. what the child hears is actually nobody is interested in me actually you just want to feel better hmm and everybody yes hmm yeah but what we know as mental health professionals is that we don't actually get to feel better by denying what is painful right and that is the basic bread and butter every day work with children and adolescents as a mental health team is acknowledge reality yeah. acknowledge reality acknowledge mm. reality even if it is awful and painful mm. acknowledging reality is the basis for mental health mm. denying reality is the basis for mental ill health right. right so i hope that answers your question about what can we do is to really acknowledge that your children are angry they are in pain they are upset they are bored yeah they are lacking stimulation yeah of course so let's try and simplify this for parents who who are listening to us and even caregivers for that matter uh, yes. what are uh, the first step is of course acceptance like we we've spoken about what is the next step how do we then convert this into something more positive and engaging like i I asked before how do we create that kind of setup at home and try and engage the child in a more positive manner um and channel those energies rather than let it build into rage see the the long and short of it is you have to spend more time with your child hmm now that may or may not be possible yeah because we've got uh we may work we may have household responsibilities yeah uh, we may have other people to take care of um and let's face it we a lot of us we sent our children to school because we would get 6 hours of peace <laughs> right right yeah. and uh, that's gone now yeah that's gone right and equally the child had 6 hours of peace away from mummy or papa or dadi yeah. or nani or masi or somebody to in their brains of course all the helicopter parenting is obviously bad that's right so they go to school and be like okay now, <laughs> and now you know when i come back 6 hours later i can remember my affection for you <laughs> right yeah so yes we need breaks from each other yeah and so what uh, you know and an, an ideal i'm not even going to talk about ideals a good enough situation is going to look like time separately and time together hmm and that time together doesn't have to be large quantities like 3 hours or 2 hours it could hmm. literally be 20 minutes hmm but as long as those 20 minutes are engaged 20 right. minutes right with eye contact no interruptions no phones right to distract you um where you are really responding to the child now it could be a young child where you're sitting on the floor and playing with toys hmm. or it could be an older child where you are having a chat Hmm. And that's separate from engaging them in household tasks like you know come and help me wash the dishes or uh, let's kapde dho ke isko bahar taangne hai kind of thing. Okay. Okay. So, so what I'm saying is fun and light. That's right. Yeah. Um what hmm. we found ourselves recommending all of last year hmm. which was not as grim as this year hmm. uh was actually pillow fights. Right. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. But tell me something, Nupur. I don't want to come back to the situations at home. You know, obviously, um, the situation is not pretty. Parents are burnt out. 
there's really no mental capacity to even think of things like these you know but obviously yeah. like we at the beginning we said that you know children are obviously at the receiving end of all of this that's happening yeah and they're somewhere lost so um obviously family setups can uh, can you know maybe rescue a situation or hamper it depends on how the families are also structured nuclear families maybe there's more pressure because there are fewer hands helping hands larger families might uh, you know there might be somebody else who can come to the rescue and fill in but um how, how do we really um advise those parents to you know probably set some time aside try and set some time aside for the children it's it's difficult yeah i'm literally uh, yeah but i'm literally saying 20 minutes right even if you are playing cricket in the balcony right yeah it's um, but the key with children is consistency hmm. and reliability so it's if you can do 15 minutes but you can do 15 minutes every day hmm. that is actually good enough hmm. okay okay that's a good start um i i do want to talk about the red flags now uh, especially in you know any deviations in the behavior how does one pick that up uh, being a parent or a caregiver at home what are the obvious signs there are as many signs as there are children honestly because there's no uh, end to the creativity in which things come up hmm. um the most normal reaction these days hmm. oh, widespread is uh, children are giving more voice to their fears of death okay and they're actually being able to say out loud that you know i'm afraid you're going to die hmm hmm that's that's going to let you know that there's something going on with them Hmm. Um then children who are just grumpy a lot of the time. Hmm. Children who are um picking fights with their siblings or with others or just getting into arguments. Hmm. I mean I'm saying when this is uncharacteristic of them. Right. Um and or children who are becoming very very quiet. Going into right. their rooms, spending hours on a screen, not interacting with the human beings. that are there in reality right um becoming extremely like immobile like you find a couch and sit on it and you just keep sitting on it 6 hours later the child is still on that couch right uh yeah these are subtle things to pick up because you know a child on a couch for 6 hours isn't really bothering anybody and it's quite easy to miss yeah. like the acting out child who's picking arguments of having a fight or throwing a tantrum or just whining Mm. endlessly mm. is more easily uh, heard right mm, and that's pretty much the plan like hear me mm. so with children the thing is that yes it the your your question is really great because their actions are the communication mm. and usually what we they end up hearing is don't do that right right which is basically again I'm not interested in figuring out what's going on behind this communication. What does your communication mean? Basically means please just don't do this, just shut it. Mm. It's so, it's very interesting what you're pointing actually because a lot of times we 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 hear a lot of parents complain. I'm one of them probably to say that you know there's too much screen time, watching too much television like you said that you know just plong themselves on a couch or a TV in you know in front of the television and it's just hardly moving. and they're okay doing that and they're not bothering anybody but obviously deep inside we know it's not healthy for them because this is just excessive screen time but 
but it's a double edged sword i i mean i i would rather have uh, my son watch extra tv than you know just him wandering around whining in, you know in the in the house and distressed so how does that how do we create that balance or, or find a middle ground there see we have to uh, acknowledge what the screen does for all of us not just for children right mm. it's a tranquilizer mm basically it lulls you off uh, away from your distress yeah and um, you zone out mm now when you zone when you when that tv thing is cut off and you zone back into yourself that's when all the uh, whining and the chair chair starts and uh, i think many parents would be aware that when you get your child off a screen they're actually yeah. in a terrible mood absolutely yeah yeah and that's that that that's a good place to start wondering oh maybe this was too much tv time mm. because it's not relaxing mm. it's zoning them out but you know we all have to zone back in at some point right yeah when we do zone back in or when the child does zone back in that's when mm. the whining starts again mm. Mm. so that's actually our clue that uh, this uh, television time though is very convenient for both the child and for the family because you get mm. some peace yeah, yeah. um that the, it might be coming at a cost that we don't like Mm. That's that's actually very interesting observation because I I was going to ask you the same thing that's very convenient for parents as well that you know acha TV dekh thodi der meri jaan mat kha you know uh, because yeah, they're absolutely so frustrated they're really burnt out and they they like just be in your room watch TV and just let me be for some time you know a lot of parents yes. end up resorting to that and obviously yeah, they're and- they carrying that kind of guilt as well but what do what do we do Yeah and and I think that it's uh, fruitless to try and get into uh, blame mm. and or like it should not because you know the word should is really unhelpful right uh the fact of the matter is that adults are human the children mm. are human yeah so uh and parents do need a break and if the screen helps to have that break that's fabulous mm. but the thing is that it needs an end point right and it needs an end point that is predecided right so it's that vagueness around thodi der dekh le that that is downhill from there because that yeah thodi der is not a boundary right oh god it's such a mirror you know it's i can't help but laugh <laughs> yeah, yeah because let's like, you know what we all do that <laughs> what we don't realize is that actually children have no idea about time okay uh your uh, my 9 year old your 6 year old they have no, no idea about time time right. is a is such an abstraction what is 5 minutes what is 30 minutes what is 1 hour there's no concept of that right so it has to be a a, a very uh, concrete boundary like an alarm goes off or you put the television mm. on sleep and it actually just shuts after 60 minutes right you know television i mean screens are smart these days they can do this for you <laughs> you put a timer on it right uh, you know it's called whatever screen time and everything and then you know it just like self destructs after a while <laughs> okay i wish it could do that <laughs> all i end up saying in the house is i'm going to throw this tv out of the window if you don't shut this no no yeah it has a sleep mode honestly right. diksha i'm telling you your television has sleep mode and you switch that on and after 60 minutes it will just go off right i'm going to do that today <laughs> okay good <laughs> 
that's very helpful so what what you know your your laughter is making reminding me that uh, what we forget as parents is that children need boundaries they need boundaries right, right. okay they're not going to have fun with them hmm. Hmm. but they need them understood at least until and when we sure enough to understand on their own and set their own boundaries that's not happening till they're about 20 so right. good luck with that <laughs> right it's just that you know the their the boundary is going to keep changing at 16 it's going to be about mm. what time to come home mm. at 18 it's going to be about uh, you want to buy that you please spend your own money on it mm. at 20 it's going to be um, you know what are you doing with your life mm. Mm. right but these are all boundaries these are all things that the child is going to come up against crash into uh disagree with argue with but the that doesn't mean it's not needed right right no you're absolutely and in right. fact one, one of the ways in which we really uh, abandon our kids is by mm. not being consistent with the boundaries mm i'm so yeah. glad you're saying all of this because this is like an eye opener for for me and i'm sure a lot of other parents who are just you know really don't have the mental capacity right now to deal with all of this that's going on but unfortunately um we need to we 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 do no, have boundaries to. make children feel safe right absolutely because it provides a structure right. uh, a reliability um and a consistency and those are the main sort of coordinates of safety for a child the yeah. same thing is going to happen every day at the same time right yes it's very boring but guess what <laughs> it makes my life look consistent yeah yeah and especially right now when the mm. 7 o'clock school bus the 12 o'clock lunch bell the 2 o'clock return home from school thing has mm. shattered right there has to be some things that you know work like clockwork whether right. it's bedtime or whether it's uh meal time or whether mm. it's look at this time we're going to all come together and have tea or do yoga or but th- th- there is some structure to the day there is some structure to the time and it is enforced by somebody right like this sochcast tune in for more with the sochcast app from the google play store i think that enforcement is also important and the way it is done is also very important sometimes it's it's not done in a positive manner hence it's not received well so what is the best way to enforce that kind of structure Oh Diksha that's a very tough one because that's an intergenerational problem. I mean right. we all suffer from it. We all grew yeah. up in a system that told us what we should do and have to do mm. um and stuffed it down our throats and demands mm. compliance. Yeah. Right. Um so inevitably from the government downwards we uh and our education system we are brought up like that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you don't comply you could be in jail. if you don't comply you could be standing outside your classroom mm. if you don't comply you could get uh, you know punishment of some other kind mm. so compliance is really upheld in our society as a very like uh, wonderful thing mm. um and no matter what i say here is not going to change that right but what's the i can only we can we can tell our parents audiences here what is the simplest way and the most positive way to enforce that structure I know um it's difficult but let's try. <laughs> well it it's the longer way around which is negotiation. Hmm. Right, which is explaining to them look the, these are the reasons. Hmm. why this, this is necessary. Hmm. 
and uh, try it for a while like you know let, let's do two weeks of this hmm and then we can keep talking about it right and yes you may not like some things and we're it's open to discussion hmm uh, i'm and basically to kind of look at it as it's a two way thing right right you're providing something but actually it's of no use to anybody unless there's a recipient at the other end right and and this is a relationship to maintain right yeah so i think what i'm also hearing is it's very important to respect what the child is uh, voicing out because a lot of times parents are just like you said shoving things down their throat to say ye maine bola hai to ye karna hai you know it's it, it i, I don't think that that works uh, very well uh, for the child because then he's just forced to do it and he's not in a he- happy space or a healthy space that way so if uh, a child and a parent can talk like to mature individuals and respect each other's feelings i think that that's probably the way forward yes and uh, the child will learn to respect their parents feelings if they feel that their feelings are being respected right yeah of course it's a given thing so take. yes and the thing is that uh, unfortunately for us mm. parents mm. we have to lead the way by example <laughs> of course yeah we see because children follow what we do not what we say right so if we say to them that uh, i'm listening to you hmm and you're listening then you're going to get a lot more of that hmm but if you say to them uh listen to speak to me with respect and uh, then continue on a lecture after that hmm and say yes yes i'm listening to you but there's no listening taking right. place Right. Uh, they can see through that. Yeah, you have to walk the talk. Of course, I mean, you, there's no. Yes. Uh, yeah, because otherwise we have no credibility. Yeah, of course. Right. Of course. And when a parent loses credibility, that is pretty much the worst thing that can happen. Hmm. Hmm. Nupur, I want to go back to the point of safe spaces that you mentioned, and I, I do have a very difficult question to ask you. Um, there's obviously a very ugly side to this lockdown as well, which is abuse. yeah um and violence uh, among children right um, that's happening mm. um um are you seeing a surge in these cases um i think we know world over that there is a surge in these cases right mainly it comes from the data that's coming from helplines mm um which are anonymous and um but there is a way of stacking up the numbers the stats mm. so there is no doubt that a family by itself a family unit by itself does not pre is not a precondition for safety hmm yeah there are all, all kinds of and a gathering of human beings living under one roof does not equal to family hmm it does not equal to safety hmm so <clears throat> those th- those things are showing up yes there's no doubt about it hmm whether we're seeing it coming into the clinic uh not so much because actually you know because uh, mental health provision is so thin on the ground hmm um and especially when it is privatized like my team hmm you actually require family support to be able to come to such a service right right so yeah the this kind of uh, reality is going to be seen more by uh helplines Hmm. where uh, people can call in anonymously and uh, and ask for help right 
and yeah. i don't even know where to um, you know begin by asking you how how does one help uh, these children because they're obviously in a very bad place yeah this is a very difficult one adiksha because the thing mm-hmm. is it's not the first thing of course is the physical safety yeah which in itself in current situations cannot be guaranteed mm-hmm. uh, as it is um, india doesn't really have a social safety net whereby mm-hmm. children who are in a dangerous situation at home can be removed from the home mm-hmm. we, we don't actually end up yeah we have posco but that does mm-hmm. has a very long winded way of going about it yeah. um uh we don't actually have something like social services or foster homes or, or such, such a system mm. that's embedded that can swoop in and help a child secondly mm. uh, so, so it tends to be the network themselves right the family network okay it's um like you said it's a difficult so, one and probably requires a separate discussion on its own uh, um yeah. but sure, sure, sorry you were going on so please please continue No I was just saying that uh, it's the family network and um, that comes in to help the child right. we're looking at it just from the child's perspective but and that sort of varies right right the thing is that mostly these are kept very quiet mm-hmm. domestic violence yeah. is kept very quiet nobody outside gets to hear about it it's both a matter of shame actually it's a matter of shame but yeah. it's uh, redesigned as uh, is it right yeah um and actually the effects of it are only known many years later right and i think the best bet in this in this situation is probably you know to find somebody within the family or the extended family who you can talk to and i'm not even sure if children are mature enough to think like that on their own and reach out to somebody within the family or the extended family or friend circle to say that you know i am in trouble and i need help you know being able to do that in itself is mm-hmm. a huge marker of resilience and strength yeah mostly what happens is that fear takes over mm. and, and what we do know about high levels of fear is that actually the the person shuts down yeah yeah so when anxiety goes very high when cortisol levels in the brain go very high in we don't actually have the option of reacting because we are so scared that we go into like a paralysis mm mm and then uh, because being small and quiet is actually safer than poking your head out and saying something hmm hmm we we're seeing another grim reality that's that's hitting us because of this pandemic a lot of young parents are succumbing to this disease right yeah. and and children are obviously uh, they being don't they are being left behind they are orphaned they don't know what is happening they can't even fathom the gravity of the situation and the mm-hmm. the loss um it's again i mean where does one begin to reach out to children like that or help you know render some kind of help or support um and this is this is a question particularly for the ones who are left behind the caregivers uh, who are going to take those children in and you know look after them the i i'm the reason i'm stumbling is because mm. i'm thinking not so much about the immediate as i am of the long term Mm. Okay, because losing a parent is not something that you address once. Yeah, it's a pain you carry with you, a loss you carry with you, and it re-emerges at key points in your life when you mm. are in life transition yourself. Yeah. So 
in a way there is an opportunity to help these children many times over in their lives hmm right because it will emerge yes um we have this kind of idea that oh it's happened right now and so we must address something right now but that hmm. may not actually be the right time for the child yeah um depending on how old this child is like mm. yesterday i spoke to a family where the child has lost her father nobody's told her yet mm. this yeah. child is 7 yeah how do you tell a child like that i mean just 7 years old it's yeah but how do you not tell a child like that mm. how do you not tell a child that their parent is never going to come back mm. how do you not tell them that what do you leave them with when you don't tell them Now again, from an emotional well-being and a mental health perspective, hmm. this is smack in the middle of denying reality. Right. Now that scares us. Yeah. As as people who see the aftermath of what denying reality does, hmm. it scares us because now this child actually you're you're not giving this child an opportunity to come to terms with what's going on because so, you are not letting them know what's going on. So, are you suggesting that it's it's actually better to tell them what is going on? Yes. right it is it, it is better to tell them regardless of how old they are regardless of how old they are every child mm-hmm. even as young as 4 mm-hmm. they know about death mm-hmm. it comes up in their stories it comes up in their games it comes up in their imaginary games mm-hmm. yes there's a lot of uh, you see young children are very attuned to their parents mm-hmm. and if there is a parent who's left behind mm-hmm. of caregiver who is with them their main concern is going to be watching this caregiver's face and picking up from them okay what can they handle what can they not handle hmm and hmm. they will uh, adjust their uh, reactions accordingly hmm so for example for this child uh, yesterday whose family i spoke to the child is 7 years old uh, she's mm-hmm. lost her father she hasn't been told this in these words but if actually she's also lost her mother because her mother is in no state to interact with her right so actually this child has lost both parents mm-hmm. and the family is saying but she looks okay she's just busy playing hmm yeah that's Now, That's you're, a very common you're, reaction. You're falling for it. Hmm. You're falling for the facade this child is putting up, which is basically designed because she can see that her mother can't handle it. Hmm. For that seven-year-old, her mother is the most important person. Hmm. Yeah. And so she will do everything to make sure her mother is okay, including hide her own feelings. Right. Now the trouble is, from a long-term perspective, this becomes a habit. Hmm. because it was done under such a trauma hmm. it's it's something that we cling on to as a way of life as a way of functioning hmm and then children and then that take on that that role of being the protector being the protector being somebody who cannot acknowledge their own feelings hmm. um this loss goes unaddressed hmm. uh, externally or outwardly but inwardly it keeps eating at them hmm so what what if you if you really want to let parents know what to do right now hmm. is to give your children permission to cry right for which they have to know the truth yeah yeah it's it's important to externalize than let it just yeah. pent up inside Fester because inside. yeah that's right it's going to yeah. blast one day and it's going to have a really bad impact yeah it could implode or explode it could hmm. go either way hmm. and um, uh for for the short term peace 
Mm. Again, right? It's like please don't show me your tears because I'm distressed by your grief. Right. Right. And as 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 adults we have to we have to really take the lead here mm. that uh, we'll put aside our own we adults will put aside our grief in order to attend to the children rather than the other way around. Mm. because what's happening is and going to happen is that the children are going to be feeling responsible for uh, the, the adults feelings mm. as is you know it's like that all the time it's just yeah. now going to be really in our face right right uh thank you so much it's uh, it's such an eye opener that this conversation and i think and i hope a lot of parents and caregivers out there who are listening to this are able to understand what a child's world looks like and it's it's really important to you know um have a conversation with them heart to heart and treat them like an individual and respect their feelings as well uh and not necessarily shut them down all the time because that's not the way to go about it thank you nupur this was really really helpful thanks very thank much thank you very much diksha thank you